She was this gun-toting, whiskey-drinking broad. The super epic fucking broad. She was a pioneer in the industry. She's also so famous and so controversial. So controversial. So she's kind of a big fucking deal. Her story is so incredible. She belongs on this podcast because she's a broad you should know. Hello and welcome to Broads You Should Know, the podcast about amazing and noteworthy women from history. I am your host, Sarah Gorski, and today I am bringing you another Today Broad. I know, can you even believe it? Two weeks in a row, I am bringing you broads who are making modern history instead of ancient history. I feel like Chloe would be really proud of me for doing all these modern broads. Um, I feel like she sometimes still listens to this podcast, so Chloe, if you are listening, report back on whether or not you actually are proud of me, or if I'm just making that up, because that is what great friends are for, right? (laughs) To keep us honest. Uh, Anyway, today I am bringing you Dr. Jess Wade. Have you heard of her before? I hadn't. I'm guessing you haven't either. I actually am super jazzed that I ran across her in my incessant clicking around the interwebs because um, I don't want to tell you exactly why actually up front because I feel like I'm going to give away all the excitement too soon. So I'm going to put the brakes on a second and I'm going to bring us back and start at the very beginning of Jess's story when she was born. Jessica Alice Feynman Wade was born October 1988 in the UK, possibly near Hampstead, but I'm not 100% sure on that. And I had to look it up because I did not know where Hampstead is. And the answer is that it's just north of London. So now we all know. And uh, both of Jess's parents are physicians as well as her grandfather. So she comes from a super smart line of genes, a bunch of geniuses. Um, She went to an all-girls high school and then prep school. Then she got her master's in science and a PhD in physics. And those are all of the courses that kind of scare the living crap out of me. So spoiler alert, she is a brilliant scientist. She's not a doctor like her family, but that well technically she's a doctor but not a physician i should say she does have her phd so dr jess wade um i feel like i i can hear your little voices asking what sciences does she do because science as we all know it is an enormous umbrella and listeners i hear you and i'm going to read you what it is that wikipedia says that she works on But for the life of me, I'm not able to translate these very scientific things into everyday speak for you. They are all just really complex in their own ways, and that's not what this podcast is about. So to answer your question, amongst the other things that she worked on during her PhD studies, one of the things she worked on was a great deal of research in nanometrology in organic semiconductors. Since her doctorate program, her interests have been primarily in materials science, chiral materials, and circular polarization. As of 2020, Jess has been a postdoctoral research associate in plastic electronics in the Solid State Physics Group at Imperial College London, focusing on developing and characterizing light-emitting polymer-thin films. 
And recently, Jess and her co-workers discovered how to template chiral materials at functional interfaces, apparently paving the way toward tunable chiro-optical technologies. Whoo, that's a mouthful. Um, That is a lot. You could see why, like, I can't explain it all. There's just, like, a lot going on there. And I'm sure that you can tell I literally copy and pasted that text from her well-sourced Wikipedia entry. Um, My best interpretation of these things is that she is studying and creating brand new technological materials. That also might be wrong, but I feel like I'm close when I say that like researchers in fields like hers are the people who brought us cool things like Kevlar. So I imagine they're in their labs creating amazing things as they make all these discoveries. Uh, And I'm sure she's very good at her work based on my research on her. And she's certainly a very prolific publisher. As of last November, she has been published 59 times and had been cited 1,124 times. I feel like that's a lot, but I, not being a scientist myself, I don't actually know, I guess, if that number is a lot, but it's... It seems good. It seems pretty high. Like, I feel like I have met scientists that have published like two or three things. So 59 seems incredible. Uh, And no, that's not, you know, any comment to my friends who published two or three things because you're amazing too. And I published nothing in the sciences. So there you go. Um, But Jess's day job, as impressive as it is, is not exactly what put Jess on my radar. It's her extracurricular activist work that has actually blown me away. She, my friends, is a prolific advocate for women in STEM. STEM, by the way, I realize not all of you might be familiar with that term, but since I'm saying it a lot in this episode, it's important to know that STEM stands for science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. So when we refer to STEM, we're talking about that big umbrella of sciencey geniuses, right? Um... Growing up, Jess doesn't remember particularly facing difficulties because she was a woman who was trying to get into college for physics studies. Um, That could be a credit to her being raised by a family of big brains, I imagine. Um, But she was so busy with all her difficult studies, she notes that she kind of hardly had realized how few other women were with her in the department in undergrad. But when she got to her doctorate program, being a woman created this kind of loud isolation for her in her studies. And she started giving talks at local schools to encourage young women to go into STEM studies and fields. But she was kind of surprised to find that even though there are out there actually a number of well-funded initiatives that are focused on encouraging women to go into STEM fields, most of the efforts of these organizations are actually quite hollow. And a lot of them are very unaware of how ineffective they are and what they say that their goals are. Jess estimates that four to five million pounds are spent annually on, in the UK specifically, on women in science outreach. And big contributors include banks and engineering firms and the government, but there is very little or really no evaluation as to whether or not the projects achieve their aims. 
specifically in the UK where she lives and works. Uh, the percentage of female A-level physics students has stagnated at about 21% for the past decade. And for computing, the proportion of A-level students who are female is only 10%. And in Britain, fewer than 9% of professional engineers are women. And that figure is amongst the worst globally, and it also has not increased in the past decade. A recent study suggested that it would take 258 years to close the gender gap in physics based on the current rates of progress. To be honest, and I am speaking anecdotally here because I don't have a great memory for specific numbers and statistics, but I was shocked to read those numbers. 9% of engineers in the UK are women. 9%, uh, less than 10%. Shockingly low. Um, So Jess has set to work to do her part to change this narrative. And instead of just kind of preaching to the pupils, all the students, which is what a lot of the programs that she started with were doing, she also talks to teachers and parents because she finds that that's much more effective for the advocacy work. And she also is helping to bring STEM women, women in STEM, into the spotlight, um, partially through all these talks and also by apparently relentlessly nominating women for prizes and awards. And she also has become a prolific contributor, specifically on Wikipedia, of all places. (laughs) I'm laughing. I'm laughing. And if you're a longtime listener, I'm sure you're laughing too, because I talk a lot of shit on this podcast about Wikipedia, because quite frankly, there are a lot of not well-researched or clearly heavily biased articles that are missing a lot of information, but still claim expertise on the subject. Um, It's very obvious when you research women that aren't very well-known, too. You'll have like one source and a lot of assumptions, right? Um, So I don't like to, to use a lot of research from Wikipedia. I try to really find a lot of other sources or at least go to the citations in the sources um, to, to get kind of the original material. But I am going to talk about Wikipedia this episode because this is an exception. And Jess, amongst her other accomplishments, her most incredible accomplishment, I think, to date, is that as of October 2022, She has written over 1,750 entries in Wikipedia about women in STEM. That is a lot of articles. 1,750. She apparently first got this idea to start writing articles in Wikipedia when she saw how large the reach was when a science photo was uploaded to Wikimedia, um, Wikimedia Commons, rather, which is the, the photo version of Wikipedia. So she saw how many eyeballs got on that photo, and she decided that she wanted to contribute to Wikipedia by adding a page for a woman in STEM who did not appear there. And she started with Professor Kim Cobb, 
who is a U.S. climate scientist who, quote, does really cool research on corals, and she goes diving to collect samples, end quote. Not long after she wrote that first entry, Jess then went to a talk by Susan Goldberg, the editor of National Geographic, and also the very first woman to hold that position, which is amazing. Um, And after this talk, Jess noticed that this amazing woman, Susan Goldberg, also did not have a Wikipedia entry. Quote, I thought, that's outrageous. So I did her page. I kind of realized we can only really change things from the inside. Wikipedia is a really great way to engage people in this mission because the more you read about these sensational women, the more you get so motivated and inspired by their personal stories." End quote. Uh, it would appear that she first started doing these Wikipedia entries in 2018, or maybe um, just before that. And in her first year in 2018, she did over 270 entries. She said, quote, I had a target for doing one a day, but sometimes I get too excited and do three. <laughs> she sounds like me on this podcast. Um, <clears throat> when... She was asked what she hopes to achieve. Jess replied, quote, I guess it's to make science a better place for everyone working in it, which happens when we recognize the contributions of these awesome women. Then the girls who do come, because they will, will come into a much more empowering environment, end quote. In my research on Dr. Jess Wade, I discovered a really excellent article in The Independent, which is a big, famous UK magazine. And the article was written by Jess herself in honor of International Day of Women and Girls in Science, which is, I guess, February 11th, y'all. That's coming up. Usually I try to intersperse the most relevant info from sources amongst the entire episode, so I'm not reading giant blocks of quoted text. But in the case of this particular article, it's so well-written, and by Jess, this woman who clearly shares a lot of the exact same frustrations that birthed this whole podcast. Um, So I'm reading all this about her, and I, I, I feel like she is me in a totally different field of work. I'm not a scientist, but... If I ever go to London, I like want to look her up and buy lunch for her and pick her brain and probably try to convince her to come on the podcast because I think that she'd probably be amazing. Um, but anyway, uh, I digress. Rather than chop up the beautiful article that she wrote, I just want to read it aloud to you so you can absorb and enjoy it as much as I did. So here we go. This is why I've written 500 biographies of female scientists on Wikipedia. In 2017, I read a book that changed my life. Angela Saini's Inferior, The True Power of Women and the Science That Shows It is a powerful look at the science behind the stereotypes that have excluded women from contributing to society. The book was so important to me that I took it around the world, giving it to impressive scientists and engineers that I met at conferences, workshops, and national science facilities. 
I've given it out to all the work experience students who have worked in my lab at Imperial College London to make sure they know that if they ever feel inadequate, it is not their fault. In the past year, Inferior has become much more than just a book. It has started a global movement. It has given me the confidence to speak up and call out bad behavior, the evidence to challenge outdated opinions, and a network of allies to turn to for advice. Last year, my friends and I successfully campaigned to get a copy of it in every state school in the UK, and we have similar campaigns in New York and Canada. Whether it is Caroline Kennard defending women's intellect to Charles Darwin, or Dr. Amy Parrish identifying that bonobos live in a matriarchy, Inferior is full of inspirational wisdom, excuse me, inspirational women who were defiant in the face of sexism, and I wanted to become one of them. In 2016, half of the state schools in the UK submitted no girls to study A-level physics. The underrepresentation of girls isn't because of ability. Boys and girls perform equally well at every stage of their education or innate interest, but because of a society that tells children that they are good at different things. Whether it's picture books, textbooks, on television, or in their clothes and toys, girls are told from a very young age Science is not for them. Take the world's most popular encyclopedia, Wikipedia. Whether you want to check a fact or learn something new, Wikipedia will likely be the first place you turn. On English language, Wikipedia, only 17.8% of all biographies are about women and women scientists are particularly badly represented. I've spent the last year trying to improve the representation of women and scientists and engineers on the site. This is partly to better celebrate the important contributions of underrepresented groups to our understanding of the world, as well as an attempt to increase the chances that you stumble across the biography of a woman scientist while you click around the site. I have just written my 500th biography. This journey has taken me from medical engineering to artificial intelligence, from botany to computational chemistry. I've learned about Dr. Gladys West, an African-American woman born in the 1930s who was an early pioneer in GPS technology and was inducted into the U.S. Air Force Hall of Fame earlier this year. And Dawn Shaughnessy, whose team of chemists at the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory in California discovered five of the super heavy elements in the periodic table. I've learned about Jackie Cole, a chemist and engineer in Cambridge with two PhDs and four bachelor degrees, and Sam Giles, a paleobiologist in Birmingham who studies the fossils of fish to understand the evolution of life. There's the sensational structural engineer, Roma Agrawal, who led the team of engineers responsible for completing Western Europe's tallest tower, the Shard, and wrote the most enjoyable and accessible book on structural engineering that has ever existed. In a recent letter to The Guardian, Professor Dame Julia Higgins wrote that, quote, we all have a role to play in tackling the barriers that girls face, end quote. 
Higgins is president of the Institute of Physics, which has spent the past 20 years campaigning to improve gender balance in physics classrooms around the UK, and recently launched Gender Action, an award scheme to recognize school commitment to challenging stereotypes. I acknowledge that increasing the number of girls studying physics and engineering is only part of the challenge. The academic community needs to be ready to welcome them. From bias in peer review and unfair allocation of grant funding to sexual harassment and a gender pay gap, the scientific community certainly has a lot of work to do. Academic science is pretty similar to Hollywood. Power imbalances and cultures of silence can allow bad behavior to go unchallenged. If you're interested in the barriers that women scientists face and the worldwide efforts to confront them, I recommend you turn to the recent LACENT theme issue on women in medicine and global health. The lack of diversity in science is more than just unfair. It impacts the science we do and the systems we create. 50 years after Jocelyn Bell Burnell discovered pulsars, a scientific breakthrough that would win her supervisor the Nobel Prize, she was awarded the Breakthrough Prize for Science. Recognizing that, quote, minority folk bring a fresh angle on things, end quote, Bell Burnell is using all of the money to create postgraduate research opportunities for people from underrepresented groups. On this International Day of Women and Girls in Science, that should be an example to us all. And there you have it, Dr. Jessica Wade, in her own words. I feel so inspired by her and the work she does. Suddenly, I didn't plan to feel emotional and I suddenly feel emotional and sometimes that happens on this podcast because women can be so inspirational. And we sit here, you know, in front of our computers, in our houses, on our phones, uh, more isolated than ever before and all the problems we face feel so insurmountable. And this woman is rewriting the solution one Wikipedia entry at a time. And she gives me life. She is just such a beautiful, beautiful example of someone in their field who decides that just because this is how it's always been doesn't mean this is how it has to be in the future. And I'm taking charge to make sure it's not. Um, Dr. Jessica Wade, if you ever listen to this episode, you have... A piece of my heart and this podcast heart, I think. Um, and I hope one day to come hang out with you in London and talk about all these amazing things that you've done because truly incredible work. Um, and hopefully that inspires all of us to just stand up wherever we are in our industries and decide to be that voice who is just going to change the narrative. And literally, she has done that with over 1,800 Wikipedia articles. To learn more about Dr. Jessica Wade, see pictures of her, some quotes from this episode, head on over to broadsyoushouldknow.com. While you're there, click on over to the About page and read more about me, my bio, photo, links to my cool stuff, all right there. Are you following Broads You Should Know on social? We are on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. We're on YouTube at 
Broads You Should Know, and Twitter at BYSK Podcast. To suggest a broad, fill out the form on our website or email us at broadsyoushouldknow at gmail.com. If you are a fan of this podcast, the best thing you can do to support us is to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or share an episode with your friends and family. Share this one. It's a great one. That helps new listeners to find us. Broads You Should Know is produced by me, Sarah Gorski, and edited by Chloe Skye with original music by Darren Callahan. Finally, if you really enjoyed hearing this story about Dr. Jessica Wade, then I highly recommend you check out a few of our other STEM broads that we have covered on this podcast. We've got Margaret Hamilton, the software engineer who got us to the moon, Maleva Merrick, the physicist who co-wrote Einstein's theories but got no credit for them, Dr. Jane Cook-Wright, who has revolutionized cancer research, Dr. Marion Croak, the engineer that invented VoIP technology, as well as many other things. And finally, just a few weeks ago, we covered Jen Villepreau Power, the marine biologist who invented the aquarium. See you next week for another Broad You Should Know. <laughs> <laughs>